What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. and welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. It's Phoenix Down episode number 67.0. And uh, we are playing through uh, the next game in the year of the JRPG, Radiant Historia. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. It's been a while. It has been a while. It has. It's been a little bit over a month since we announced we were going to be doing Resident Historia, and a lot of things have happened. I think this is the longest break we've ever taken. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um, we've taken a week or two at Christmas, I think. Or, you know, things have come up, but it's been a good four or five weeks now. Yeah, a lot came up for me, unfortunately. So, uh all of it kind of stressful, but yeah. Uh, luckily, I was able to uh, play some Radiant Historia, and sorry, I had to sneeze there. <laughs> uh, the allergies, man. Oh but... God, it's, I'm crossing my fingers that having moved out of the South means I won't deal with the crippling allergies that come on April Fool's Day every year. They were rough the last couple of years in Memphis, that's for sure. I never had them before that, so just wait. Absolutely. So, but yeah, uh, so we need to preface this. Um, there are <laughs> two versions of Radiant Historia. Uh, the first one, uh, which is originally a, a DS game, not a 3DS, but a DS game that came out in 2011. And there is also the Perfect Chronology version, which came out about a month ago on the 3DS. Now, Matt, you were playing the original version. I am playing the original version. It took me uh, took me a while to make that decision, but in the end, it, it really came down to the fact that you had recommended it long ago. When yeah. I first got my 2DS, I picked it up, and it's been... It's been loaded in the hopper since then, and I've been waiting to play it. And uh, I just felt like I owed it to this game to play it. Yeah, the one, I, the version I bought a while ago. And I am playing the Perfect Chronology version. Uh, and what I should say is the Perfect Chronology version has a few added bonuses. The first one being there is almost fully voice acted. Um, all main characters are fully voice acted, uh, and. Um, there is also a alternate timeline. There is a third timeline to this game uh, with the perfect chronology, which I have yet to hit, but um, apparently it does fill in some gaps of stuff that happens in between the two timelines. Um, my history with uh, Radiant Historia is I actually reviewed this game for ZTGD uh, way back in the day, uh, seven years ago. <laughs> To be exact. And, um, yeah, I remember saying this is a fantastic role-playing game. Um, and the thing is, is not, not a lot of people played it. Uh, I think one of the reasons why is because either it had already come out or it, the 3DS was about to come out. Yeah, that's, that's a weird time period for games to come out, right, when they're being overshadowed by the new system. Yeah, and that unfortunately kind of overshadowed this game um but actually a very very well done game uh developed by atlas um 
and published uh, by Atlas. Uh, it's uh, it's a very well done role playing game. Uh, I was like, wow! I was actually kind of blown away. I was because it came out of nowhere. I had never heard of it before. Um, I know uh, back in those days, uh, Ken was like, hey, you're the only guy that plays JRPGs for the site. Why don't you review this? And I was like, okay, I never heard of it, but. I'd give it a shot, and then, damn, it's actually really good. So, uh, I was surprised whenever they said, oh, we're going to do a remake of uh, Radiant Historia and put it on 3DS. Going to add some stuff. So, I think finally people can pay attention to it, uh, which is what we plan on doing. This is one of the games that I'd always love to go back to, especially for like a, a Phoenix Down game of some kind. Yeah. So, um, that's, well, you, you did your history, I did mine, so. Yeah, I guess the only thing I'd add to that is, you know, I, I've been waiting to play it for a while. I, it, again, it was one of the first ones I picked up when I grabbed a 2DS in probably 2015 or so, year or two after it came out. Uh, and I was just looking for good DS games to play, and this was one of the first ones you recommended. Uh, so it's been sitting on the shelf since then, and then when it came time to play this, you know, kind of the impetus being the, the remake, the perfect chronology, and I, I I wasn't sure if I should get the new version. Basically, you know, if this is a good game, maybe I want to give it the best shot that I can at really enjoying it and really diving into it and getting immersed in it, and that's going to be with, you know, more vo- voiceover. It's got better cutscenes, more cutscenes, better art. You know, all those things to maybe jump it up and make it a little bit more immersive. And I, yeah, I wasn't sure if there'd be any difference, so I, I I played the prologue, maybe about an hour and a half of the pl- prologue, and then I was looking for, uh, well, some period. I, I guess I wasn't sure how long it was, but I, I went to pause a cutscene and it skipped to the end of the cutscene. And I said, oh, crap, I don't know what I missed, so it's still early, so let me just go find that prologue video on YouTube and watch it, and I'll just watch the part that I missed. So then I start watching it, but as sort of a kind of an advertisement or a preview of the Perfect Chronology version, they had just the prologue up in its entirety of the new version. And since I had just played through it, it was a perfect like like for like comparison. And watching it on my computer monitor, I was like, "Wow, this sounds better. It looks better. It's flashier. The art is better." I'm like. Oh, maybe I should play it. Maybe I should get this new version. And I, I basically sat there because I didn't know if I should keep playing because I knew every minute more that I played, I was less likely to want to revert to buying a new version and, and starting over. Yeah. So in the end, I decided to go with the version I already had. But it it is slicker. I would say if you haven't picked up a version, absolutely pick up the new version. Yeah just based on that comparison of the prologues. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to just kind of listen to the dialogue rather than having to read it, particularly whenever you can put it on auto-scroll, so it's it's like you're watching a cutscene. I could just put the 3DS down and listen, look every once in a while, because there is a lot of dialogue in this game. And, yeah, uh, yeah but, there is. Yeah, and they, they, do, they do do a lot of talking with nothing really happening on screen. So, but yeah, I, um, I highly suggest the perfect chronology version. 
but um, I am going to attempt to discuss the third timeline as best as I can when I get to it. Um, as far as I've made it in this game, which I've put close to about six hours into it, I have just finished the prologue. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is going to be a long one, but, um, especially so, at our current rate, it'll take us the rest of the year. Yeah. That's the thing is, you know, I, I have been either a bombarded with reviews or had tons of stuff going on in my life. You know, it's, uh, it's been rough. It's been hard to, to get and sit down and play it. Um, but yeah, it's, we're, we're, we're getting through it. We're going to get through this game. I guarantee it. I know somebody made the joke of uh, the year of the JRPG will be three games, <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll get there. So uh, to begin, well, you know what? We'll get into story stuff because that's going to be the main crux of the of, of us talking about it. But um, let's talk about the. I would say the main game mechanics of the game. So. Uh, first thing is a turn-based role-playing game with a very interesting and very strategic battle system. Now, Matt, I remember you saying that you loved Nino Kuni's battle system for as many options as you have. Yep. Uh, I felt like I didn't have any control over what was going on, uh, which is why I did not like Nino Kuni that much. Uh, the opposite side of that spectrum is Radiant Historia, where I have complete control over what is going on. And I love this battle system. It is really good. Yeah, so far I do too. The, the first thing it brought to my mind, anytime I see that grid, I get excited. Um, and it always reminds me of Enchanted Arms, and I don't know why I love that game as much as I did. I adored it, and it had the grid-based battle system, you know, a little different than this because it was more about your attack would cover a certain range, a little yeah. bit more than this. Um, but but this does, instead of having your attacks be sort of horizontal or vertical or triangle-shaped, it it doesn't play with that side of it, but it does play with sort of the enemy positioning matters yes. on the grid, and that, that's really cool. So uh, the way to explain the battle system is is that uh, all the enemies are on a grid, and um, everybody has a turn, and there's like a big line on the side of the screen that shows you whose turn is coming up. Um, so uh, it, certain enemies may be larger, so they take up more spaces, more grids, uh, or more blocks on the grid. Um but uh, you can have multiple enemies in the same grid by pushing and pulling them certain ways. So certain attacks that cost magic points to do can move an enemy into a different grid. And if you have two enemies in the same grid and you attack that grid, you hit both enemies. So you come up with this combo system of have a character push an enemy to the left and now there's two enemies in that grid. And then you have the next character push them again to the left. Now you've got three enemies in that grid. Uh, so you can kind of move enemies into different areas and then attack 
and hit multiple enemies at the same time, generating a combo. Now, not only does that help get a battle done faster, um, at the end of the battle, when you gain your experience points, the higher the combos, the more experience points you gain. So there is a uh, very strategic way to play the the battles, and it also helps out with leveling up. Yeah, and again, multiple rewards. It's over faster. You get more XP. Yeah, puts you in a better position for next future battles. Exactly. Um, and uh, the other mechanic would be during the battle system. You can also uh, delay your attack. So let's say uh, I'll just name some characters, which we haven't got into yet. But let's say your main character stock goes and another character in your party goes but your third party member uh has to wait for an enemy to attack so what you can do is is you can have your two characters delay their turn let the enemy go first and then you have three characters back to back attacking so you can set up different combo attacks that way uh the there's a drawback to it though if you delay your attack you uh, are vulnerable to a critical hit uh, for the remainder of that turn until it's your turn again. Um, so it's it's kind of a, a give and take kind of thing with there. We see so you have to be strategic on when you want to attack and when to combo. Uh, am I forgetting anything from the combat system? Obviously, there's magic attacks too, so certain enemies may be weak to lightning or you know fire or stuff like that yeah and i guess just the fact uh, it's more the progression system but you you sort of auto unlock each it's i don't think you necessarily pick any skills in this game right it's just when you hit a certain level you get a certain skill unlocked yeah so especially like uh, pokemon you hit a certain level you learn new attack um also uh when wandering around the uh, overworld, uh, you see all the enemies, so you can pick and choose who you want to fight and who you want to run away from. Uh, you also have a attack on the overworld that stuns an enemy. Uh, when the enemy is stunned, they don't come after you, so you can easily run around them. And if you run into an enemy that is stunned, you can then sometimes get a preemptive attack. Yeah, and similar, and you know, conversely, if. If you're running away from an enemy and they're faster than they than you and they catch you in the back, then they get the preemptive attack. Yeah. So the main crux of this game is probably uh I have said it, I think Jay has said it as well. Um this is the closest thing you will get to a spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger. Um, for those of you who have never played Chrono Trigger before, Chrono Trigger relies on time travel, where you'll be going to different time periods and changing the past, which then changes the present. Um, and that is the main gameplay of this game, is uh, there are two timelines that all revolve around the main character, Stock. And... Um, he is the only person that is aware of the changes in time because he has um, the White Chronicle, which is a book 
which allows him to basically go back to certain points of his life and change something. He can relive, relive parts of his life in a kind of a set pattern. Now, what we should do is get into the story a little bit to understand how he got this power. Yeah, and also it's not just any point in his life. It's sort of critical points for the world, right? Like History is happening, and there are certain points that he's influenced history that you know he can make a choice to do multiple things. Right. And those are the only points he can go back to, not sort of any time in his life. Yeah. So um, we play as a character. The main character is named Stock. Uh, he is a soldier in... Um, what used to be the army, he now uh, works for a kind of like a special ops uh, group. Yeah, special intelligence they call it. So it's yeah. sort of like an like like an espionage group. Yeah. So he does uh, uh, secretive missions and stuff like that to help out the Alistair. Is that is that Alistel? Alistel, um, yep. the kingdom. Uh, there is another kingdom uh, that is the enemy kingdom, Granorg. Uh, they are militarized and very, I guess, I don't know, uh, I wouldn't say they're inherently evil. They're just a different country with different ideals. Yeah, and they're a bit aggressive, I think. Yeah, their their leaders are very aggressive. And they come off as evil, but I have a feeling we're going to run into characters who may not very well be evil. They just yeah, so happen to the, live there. Everybody on the other side is a bad guy, right? So, uh, to begin with, Stock is with the Special Intelligence. Um, he uh, takes com- um, he takes uh, orders from a man named Heiss. Who looks evil. <laughs> who looks evil. He does look as, evil. As much as a good guy is going to look evil. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's the one telling him to do all these different things. And yep. uh, at the beginning of the game, uh, Stock... Has uh, gets a mission from Heiss saying that he needs to go get information from a informant. Uh, the uh, and this real simple mission it seems like. Um, and he is paired up with these two uh, newcomers to uh, the uh, I guess special intelligence group. Um, and uh, he's there. They're there to assist him in this mission. Stock normally works alone. He doesn't like the fact that he is being paired up with uh, these two people. Uh, the two mm-hmm. people in question would be Rainy and Marco, uh, both of which were originally mercenaries. Who uh, we find a little bit later what happened to their their mercenary band, but uh, they have joined up with the army to uh, help out. In the battle against Granorg. Um, but before I get into that, uh, the very, very beginning of the game, we actually get a cutscene of basically the world has been turned to sand. There is nothing left except ruin and sand. Uh, yeah, this is the other kind of thing that's happening in the background of this world. So your basic setup is you've got these two warring nations. And also, there's this mysterious, cancerous sand plague. Yeah. 
and they're both fighting over fertile land. Which is, uh, you know, uh, as far as the setup goes, that's a simple one, but it it's a pretty good reason to have two nations be warring. Because you can imagine that that's a pretty devastating thing to be losing fertile land. And, you know, that becomes sort of life and death depends on who has tractable land to, to grow crops and whatnot. Yeah. But then there's also another strange part about this. It's not just the land turning to desert. It's the people getting affected by it. Yeah, so it's more than just global warming. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we see uh, the, what is the far-flung future of the world uh, pretty much completely devastated by this sand. Um, what uh, we see are these two, what look like children, standing around in the sand saying, it's happened again. Uh, we we failed again. We had to figure out what we what went wrong. And uh, they both say, well, we'll go back in time or go back and see if we can fix it. Uh, Stock cut back to, I guess, the past. And Stock uh, is getting his mission paired up with these two mercenaries, Marco and Rainey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rainey's kind of a fiery uh, go-getter while Marco's more of the... I wouldn't say reluctant, but more cautious type, soft-spoken kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, it seems like Rainey's always kind of flirting with Stock a little bit. Yeah. And then Marco's kind of rolling his eyes at her the whole time. Mm-hmm. So there's that sort of dynamic. And uh, so we begin our first mission, which is to go get information about Granorg from a spy that is supposed to be meeting up with us. Doesn't Heiss give us our gift before we go on the first mission? He does. I was about to uh, get into that. Thank you. But uh, yeah, uh, Heiss hands us a white book. And he says, uh, here, take this. He's like, what am I going to do with this? He says, well, it's probably going to come in handy. Don't worry. Just, Just hang on to it as like a good luck charm. So th- basically, this is the point where I said, yep, I- I'm with Heiss. He's given me gifts. He's given me lackeys. This guy's pretty cool. Yeah. Even Despite though he lo- the fact he- that he looks like an <laughs> evil eagle. Yeah, he he looks like an evil man with like this weird hair and a very long nose. Um, yeah, like a vulture or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, he gives us this book and just tells us to hang on to it. So... On our way to our mission, uh, we uh, go to meet with our informant. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't meet up with him very long. Uh, the informant, uh, we meet up with him, and uh, we then realize that he is being chased by Grand Org soldiers. To which we're like, oh crap, what is Grand Org doing all the way out here? It's an invasion. They have decided to come and invade the country or the kingdom. And the informant is killed. Uh, along the way, we uh, run into uh, some higher ranked lieutenants of the Grand Org Army 
this one giant looking man. Uh, which I should say before this even happens, uh, while we're, I think we're either meeting with the informant or waiting on the informant, uh, Stock has a vision. And it is a vision of Rainey and Marco dead on a battlefield somewhere. Yep. And was it before we left that we also got the premonition from Roche? Or is that the next mission? That's the next mission, I believe. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so, um, we run into the Grand Org Army. The lieutenant is there. We try to fight him off, and this is yet another JRPG trope of this is a battle we can't win. And he ends up killing Rainey and Marco, just like we saw them in the vision. Uh, Stock is gravely wounded. Uh, he then is trapped on a bridge, surrounded, and he jumps off the bridge into the river below. Uh, somehow he survives this, and as he is losing all hope, as Grand Org is now closing in on the kingdom, he is teleported, transported to another world. He's transported to a world called Historia. And he meets these two children-looking people who tell him that he has been chosen to wield the White Chronicle, which is that book that Heist gave him. And with the White Chronicle, he, he is allowed to travel through different points of time in his life, pivotal points. Uh, where he can make decisions and hopefully change the course of time. I know the setup's not the same, but I could not help but think about Quantum Leap. Yeah. Trying to put things right that once went wrong. Leaping within your own time. He's just inhabiting his own body, so that, that's where it kind of falls apart. Yeah. Uh, but the difference is, is that and they make a make a, a a meaning to say this is that he is still him from yep. where he is now. So he was beaten up and gravely wounded by uh, the lieutenant from the Grand Org Army. He is still gravely wounded. So they say use the White Chronicle to go back in time to hopefully stop this from happening, stop Rainy and Marco from getting killed try to find a way around the army so that way we can get the information from the informant, go back to the kingdom, and warn everybody. So that's what we do. We time travel back to before the mission began. We meet up with the informant, and uh, Stock remembers, oh yeah, there's a ambush wait, waiting to happen. If I can stop them from going this way, then we won't have the ambush. Uh, there's some giant crates in the way, to which he's like, I can't move these on my own. He is then granted the power to move things. He has superhuman strength now, uh, given to him by the two uh, children-looking people. What are those people? What are their names? I've got to find out. Tio and Lip Lipti. Tio and Lipti. Thank you. 
Nine years old. They uh, And so now he's able to move these crates, so they go a different route. Instead of getting ambushed, they are now safe. And uh, they go around and are able to take the information from the informant, go back to Alistair and warn everybody of the impending uh, invasion. Yep, so mission successfully completed. Yes, for now. For now. <laughs> because I, I thought this was where I, – I thought Roche had you know, had the premonition of death and then that's when uh, Stock was, was wondering if it, Rainey and Marco's death was what he had seen. That may be the case now that you're mentioning it. Cause, yeah, cause so, so Roche, Roche, I thought, warned him and said, don't go on this mission. It's dangerous. You know, I have a feeling something something bad's going to happen. You right. know, and then I think that's where Stock is like, oh, oh, Roche might know something here. All right. So, um, we uh, after we were able to fix that part of the timeline, we're then transported back to Historia, where we are told a little bit more about what's going on. Um, Tio and Lipti uh, explain to stock that he has been chosen to hopefully rewrite time to where the world doesn't end uh to which the whole time i'm thinking why isn't stock asking why me yep uh but he never asked that he's just like okay i'll do it so i'm pretty good obviously me yeah so um he decides all right I'll 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 try to do whatever I can. Since he has rewrote history now, um, he goes back to his timeline, and he begins the first major turning point in his life. Yep, the first big decision here. The first big decision, um, and this decision will then affect the pretty much the rest of the game. Uh, he has two options. The first one being uh, he stays with uh, Heiss and continues on with the Special Intelligence Unit uh, doing covert missions. Or he uh, has been invited to join his best friend, Rosh, join the army again, be part of the brigade. Uh, and he can, Rainey and uh, Marco can come along too. And uh, help us fight back Grand Org. Now, here's the thing about Radiant Historia. You don't make a choice and stick with it. In this game, you make a choice. You see how a lot of it plays out. And then you use that information to go back in time and do the alternate timeline. So, uh, it all begins with this decision. The standard history is known as when uh, you stay with Heiss. Mm -hmm. The alternate history is when you join Rosh's brigade. And everything else spawns from there. What were we saying, Matt? Uh, no, nothing. Okay. So, um, if you 
before, right, or yeah, before you make your decision, stock has another premonition. That premonition being Rosh and his brigade are wiped out and standing over them is Stock. To which Stock's like, am I going to end up killing Rosh? He's like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, why would I do that? So, uh, and every, none, none of it is ever really brought, you know, how did this happen? This is one of those things where we're going to find out how it happens. So from here, Matt, what was your first decision to do? Uh, my first decision was, hey, Heist gave me the ability to travel through time uh, and gave me Rainy and Marco. So also the special intelligence missions sound more interesting than just being uh, in the army. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Three, well, I guess it would be kind of fun to hang out with Rosh because he seems huge. Uh, but basically three to one, my, my choice was stick with heist. Okay. Aside from, I, I don't know. I guess he's also obviously hiding something cause he's so suspicious looking. So right. maybe three to two, but I still went with heist. I went with Rosh to begin with, but like I said, this isn't like the Witcher or something like that where you make a choice and then you're stuck with it. You have the white chronicle. And we can go back and change whatever the hell we want, including what we chose to do between joining Rosh's brigade or staying with Heiss. So, and that's part of the game. You have to do that yep, in order to progress. And the reason why is because, well, we'll find out in just a minute, but I joined Rosh's brigade. And the first thing we notice is that they want, we get a, we get a, um, a mission, a new mission. Uh, we've heard that the um, Grand Org Army is trying to uh, make their way into the kingdom via a mine. So we're going to go with his brigade to that mine and hold them off and hopefully stop them from coming through. Uh, in this timeline, which is considered the alternate history, um, we make it to the mine and the guy who was supposed to bring the mine is is blocked currently, and uh, the guy who was supposed to be bringing the explosives to unblock that mine has disappeared, and uh, we're then teleported back to Historia, where we are, we are, are are explained that something has happened in the timeline. The guy who has the explosives has been killed to which stocks like by who they're like, well, that's for you to find out, but it is somebody who knows about you traveling through time. So we now get the information that there is somebody else in this world who is also time traveling, who is also alternating history. The evil leaper. Yes. So, um, but not all is not lost because we can still save the guy who's got the explosives, but not by going back in this timeline, going back and changing the timeline completely. So we go back in time 
to where we made the decision to either stay with Heiss or go with Roche. And instead, we stay with Heiss. Staying with Heiss then has us go on a secret mission where we actually sneak into Granorg. Doing so, we run into a guy. That guy just happens to be the guy with the explosives. If we're able to save him in this timeline, it bleeds over into the other timeline. So, there's another layer of time travel here that I haven't seen before. Right, it's a little bit like Nino Kuni, in a sense, right? Like the two are linked, two worlds are linked. Yeah. Maybe if you want to go back, if you want to go back to Donnie Darko, <laughs> where every single person has different, you know, we're going into quantum theory stuff. Yeah. Where every person has their own personal timeline and it can be altered at any time and changes every other timeline. It's kind of like that. So there is a couple of ways you can play this game. You can either Stick with the timeline until you quote-unquote reach a roadblock and then go back in time to fix it. Or you can go from fix a timeline to go, let's go back to the other timeline, fix it, go back to the other timeline, jumping, leaping back and forth. Um, and I feel like I basically quantum leaped back and forth <laughs> every time I solved a problem. So I went to the the standard timeline where we stayed with Heist, saved the guy with the bombs, then stopped right there, went back to the alternate history with Rosh. The guys there with the bombs were able to blow up the mine. We go inside the mine. We fight off the Grand Org Army. Um, if we do that, which is... I mean, obviously I'm skipping, like, certain multiple fights and stuff like that. Yeah, there's another decision point, though, at the mine. There Did is. Did you play out both scenarios? Well, you, you end up having to play out at least one of them, but the the other scenario leads to a bad ending. <laughs> yeah. So you have either, A, we wait for the guy to come. We, we either send out a search party to find the guy with the explosives, which is a fool's errand. Or we wait in ambush for the Grand Org Army. If we wait in ambush, we win that fight, but unfortunately we lose the war because we waste too much time. The Grand Org Army was basically sent as a distraction. The other guys were coming in. So they then take, and it's literally like just a, <laughs> a static screen saying, this is what happened. Everybody died. <laughs> Yeah, this this is the type of situation where this game feels as much like a choose-your-own-adventure book as it possibly could. Exactly. You've got one of two paths. Pick this one. Nope. Sorry, you died. Go back and try again. And there's multiple of those throughout the game. And to be honest with you, I'm at least happy that they threw them in there instead of leading you on for four hours to get yeah. a bad ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess 
even now, and especially when I was playing it, I was trying to decide what what value they had. I mean, so many parts in this game, like like you mentioned, the, the main part of this game is reach a roadblock, then jump to a different timeline to figure out how to solve it. Yeah. Th- this is reaching a roadblock that's a dead end. There is no jump to the other timeline and figure out how to solve it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I was trying to... I was trying to think of whether I thought that improved the game or not. I guess it does help to imply if you're playing the game blindly, no no fact or anything, it does sort of lead you toward the decision that, yeah, your decisions do matter because you can pick one in which you die. Now, it doesn't have any real lasting consequences for you as you play it because you're right, you don't lose that much time and you can always just go back and make another decision. But I guess I do like the fact that it means that you, you sometimes you do have to make the right decision. Mm-hmm. So it, it it puts some importance to your decision, even if there's not again a lot of consequence behind it. Right. Uh, so, um, but yeah, um, if you blow up the mine, go through the mine. Uh, there are multiple fights there. Um, See, I feel like that's what I did first. So I think. I think I jumped over to this timeline first, then did the ambush and lost, then waited and nobody came. So then I had to jump back over to the standard timeline, uh, you know, rescue him so that he can come back over, then jump back and replay the alternate timeline so that the second time around he did show up. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. I ended up switching back over to the uh the standard timeline where I was with Heiss saved the uh guy with the bombs and then um I kept going there so um in the standard timeline you save the guy with the bombs but you continue going you make it through um to the sand temple is that what it's called the sand fortress yeah, if you've if if you've already blown up the mine, you can go forward there, right? No, this is in the standard timeline. So in the standard timeline, you're supposed to be making your way to uh, Grand Org. You do that by going through the Sand Temple. The thing is, the Sand Temple or the Sand Fortress has been taken over by Grand Org forces. So you have yeah. to, you have to climb that tower yeah this is where you get your own decision point where you're waiting for your informant yeah uh and then he doesn't show up because because it does kind of link because you have to go through the mine i'm pretty sure um no uh the the informant is also the guy with the bombs yeah, so the first time I played this, I was playing this timeline. Mm-hmm. I got to this point, and he never showed up. He doesn't show up, and then you have the choice of either sitting there and waiting for him or going and looking for him. If you sit there and wait for him, he then comes out of hiding and says, okay, I wanted to make sure you guys were who you say you were. Yeah, so what I did first was not wait for him, and I went looking for him. Uh-huh. So I went into the mine, Alma Mine. And then, I guess similar to the other timeline, I, I don't know if I won or lost, but 
um, the Alistair army definitely lost. Okay. So the correct thing to do is wait for him. Yeah. And then he shows up and says, okay, here's your information. I got to go deliver these bombs. And that's basically saving him. Um, if you continue on from there with that information, you then go to the sand temple or sand fortress. Sand fortress, yeah. yeah. And then there's Grand Org forces there, but you're trying to make it through so that way you can get to Grand Org. Um, going through there, there is then um, another decision to make where uh, you run into, you're in the forest and you run into a little girl who is getting attacked by these monsters. And you can either choose to help the monsters or not, or help fight the monsters off or not. Um, I decided to help mm -hmm. and, uh, um, I saved the girl and she is part of a traveling performing trope. Um, and they are on their way to Grand Org to, uh, entertain, I guess. And we then disguise ourselves as part of the entertainers to get past a checkpoint that gets into Grand Org. Yep. Unfortunately, stock needs, uh, needs to be part of the, the troop. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, you know, the, the, everybody's like, yeah, we're traveling performers. We're coming into Grand Org to, uh, you know, to be, um, to entertain everybody. And they're like, okay, you can come on through. And then when stock walks through, they're like, whoa, you don't look like a performer. And you're like, oh well, yeah, I am one. Well, all right, we'll show us some tricks. To which Stock's like, I don't know any fucking tricks. <laughs> and so they won't let us in unless we perform some tricks. And uh, they said, well, you're a pretty good swordsman. Why don't you uh, maybe try out some like blade dancing or something? To which he's like, I don't know how to blade dance. But um, luckily, um, the, the time-traveling duo... Uh, Tio and Lipti show up and say, you're going to have to go to the other timeline and meet somebody who knows how to blade dance and have them teach you to blade dance if you want to make it past here. So I go to the alternate timeline and it just so happens as we're going through the mine after it gets blown up by the guy we saved, one of the guys in Rosh's brigade says, oh, I know how to blade dance pretty good at it now uh, at this point this is when I switched back over to the Rosh timeline and went through the mine defeated the Granar forces we then hey this is a major victory for us yay let's go back home and celebrate and that's where um you know, we get transported to Historia, and Tio and Lipti say, "Hey, um, you've completed this part of the chapter, and we're going to move on to the next chapter of your life. Do you want to save?" And I said, "Yes," and that's where I stopped. So, this is still technically the prologue. 
Yep. And I'm moving into chapter one through one timeline. I still haven't made it to chapter one in the other timeline. Yeah, you're right on the right on the brink. As soon as you get back into the back into the city, you're basically at chapter one. Yeah. So for reference here, I have put six hours in this game. I have finished the prologue. Now, there are six chapters, including a final chapter. So technically seven chapters. And I've put six hours in this game. This is going to be a long haul, guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that I find a little strange and a little bit potentially worrisome so i I mean i guess i would say so far to this point i've really liked the game i have to uh the combat's fun the characters are interesting enough they're certainly distinct enough that you're not really getting characters confused with each other which is nice um my only concern is the amount of backtracking and the potential for not knowing what to do or where to go like sometimes they're blatantly obvious when Tio and Lipty show up and say, "Hey, you can't get past this part. Go to the other timeline and try to progress." And so then it's like, "Oh yeah, well, obviously I know what to do now." But th- there's some parts where I just I haven't had any real issues yet. But I just wonder if if they don't tell me at some parts where I'm just going to be wandering around, not knowing how far back I should go and in which timeline I should go to re- replay something. Right. To hopefully find what it is, whatever it was I needed. So, uh, that, that's my only, like, concern or fear about playing this game. Yeah. Well, here's, do you get the feeling of how, how this game will end? So, here's my thoughts on how this game will end. Wait, didn't you beat it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember most of this game. Okay. But do you get the feeling that you will be constantly going back and forth between each timeline and eventually you will get to the end of both timelines and you just have to pick and choose which one you want to finish? Oh, yeah. I could see that happening. So uh, that's that's the thing that I figured might might scare you is that there's really only two endings of this game and they're obvious. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, the one thing I should mention is that I am playing the perfect chronology version. There is a third timeline, which I'm guessing will be a potentially different ending. I have not ran into that third timeline yet, yet I have ran into the character that initiates that third timeline. It is a young girl who knows who Stock is. I've ran into her. She was at the bar. She, she, I saw her leaving the bar. Was it? She, wait, there's two. Was it Keel or Sonia? No, no, different person at the bar. Uh, this is this is uh, a, a young woman with a hat on. Have you met anybody with a hat on? It's uh, a good question. Is it? Nemesia? 
I don't remember. This was about a month ago. I believe it must be this girl. I don't think she's in my game. Okay. She's got what looks like a... I don't know. She looks like... The, the hat looks like something from like the 1920s, like the women used to wear. I was going to say the Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. There you go. Perfect <laughs> example. Yeah. It's one of those. Yeah. Uh, I ran into her. She knows who Stock is. And... She also knows that he has been changing history. And she's kind of like, do you want to know how I know? And Stock is like, no. Don't. <laughs> you, you know, Stock's always kind of a stern guy anyway. But he's, yeah. he's, he, you can, he, he, like, he thinks to himself, like, I don't want to give myself away. I think this woman knows that I'm traveling through time and I don't want to give anything away. So he kind he's of he's very stoic. He's yeah. a man of few words. He just he, he's like I, I'm not going to give anything away. I'm just going to play dumb. To which she's like, okay, play dumb. I'll see you later, and then leaves. <laughs> um, so I have a feeling the third timeline is going to pick up in the first chapter. Mm. So, but that's as far as I made it. I know you're a little bit farther than me. Yeah, I'm just about to chapter two. Okay. Well, we do have an email. I, I would say before we get to there, though, one of my one of my favorite things, and I'm hoping that sort of mitigates the concerns I have, is that you get to see the two timelines on yeah. the on the story screen, which is really nice because not only can you see the decisions you've made, it often you know it, it shows you the dead end. So I've already had two dead ends where I died, and it also shows you the potential paths that you could have taken that you haven't taken. Right. Like it's a little dotted line that trails off into nothingness. So you know if you go back and replay at this node, you know, there are still decisions to be made that you haven't yet made. Yeah. So that I like because then if I get stuck, I'll assume it's one of those open-ended doorways that, you know, so, somewhere around in this node is where I have to make a decision. It may not be the decision I need to get out of the certain problem that I'm facing, but it's something that I haven't done yet, so it, it's worth investigation at least. So that that's the thing that I'm really holding on to, the fact that they show you that and the fact that it's not direct. Like it, it, It's not like when you reach a problem, that timeline pops up and a big red X shows up on it. So right now I'm thinking it's probably a good balance of here are things that you could do that may or may not be related to your current problem. So I, I'm liking that part of it a lot. Yeah, I love the little, basically the grid showing you this is where you can go, this is where you've been, and this is yep. what can change. Yep. It's like a nice little little road map that you can go by. But yeah, we do have an email. Uh, this email comes in from Dustin. Uh, he, he sent this on February 27th, so it's been almost a month. <laughs> it says, uh, what's up, guys? Been a while, but I haven't quit listening. Just been doing a bunch of catch-up. Finally read Ready, Ready Player One and had about the same thoughts as you guys. The movie looks dumb as hell, but I enjoyed the book. I started Danganronpa and I'm on Chapter 3, but for some reason I can't play visual novels hours on end, so it will take me a bit to get through. Uh, which, no, since then, he has finished uh, Danganronpa and he did not like it. Hmm. Um, says, but anyway, let's get to Radiant Historia. 
So I guess I'll start with my history of the game, which is I heard the game was great. It was on sale. I bought it, and it sat on my shelf till I heard you were going to cover it. So it uh, gave me a good reason to scratch it off my backlog. <laughs> Sounds like my experience. <laughs> yeah. I'm currently almost to Chapter 4, but I won't be discussing story that much. I'll leave that to you guys. My first impressions is I like the battle system. It gives, uh, mm-hmm. gives you more strategy than the standard turn-based RPG. However, I have yet to die, so I don't know if I'm over-leveled or if combos are so overpowered and makes the battles on the easy side. Now, I have died a couple of times because I don't think this game is very easy, in my opinion. I only died. I think there was one fight that you had to die at. Okay. That's the only one I've died at. Hmm. I have a few gripes with the game. I feel like the overhead camera on the exploration areas is too close to the character. I wish I could zoom out. I come uh, up on enemies way too fast, and by the time I swing my sword, it's too late, and I'm in a fight. Yeah, they are quick. They, there's some of the tigers. Yeah. That you, you basically have to start swinging when they're on the other side of the screen because you, you're kind of slow on the draw for being a as as good as stock supposedly is. Sometimes you push the button and it takes like it feels like it takes two seconds before his sword is out. I think a lot of that got fixed in the perfect chronology version. Uh, uh, that leads to my second gripe is that the sword swings with a delay, and if you damage, yep. <laughs> and if you manage to hit the enemy, I wish I would just initiate the battle as a preemptive strike and not just knocking it back. Yep. Sometimes you have to hit them four or five times before they actually get stunned. Uh, also, knock it. Knock it out the first hit if you're going to do that, and not these monsters that take multiple hits sometimes. <laughs> yep. Small gripes, but annoying at the same time. Well, I I have yet to run into a monster that takes multiple hits. Really? I think they fixed all of that in the perfect chronology version. Yeah, it's funny because I, I absolutely agree with that email. They're they're. They kind of just had me scratch my head a little bit. Like I wasn't frustrated with it, but I was like. Why is this so weird? (laughs) Why is it so slow to swing? Why are the enemies so much faster than me being able to draw my sword? Why do I have to hit them four or five times sometimes to stun them? And I was like, I I guess I'll just adapt to it, but it's not even hard. It doesn't really matter that much. It just feels awkward a little bit. Right. So here it says, as far as the story goes, like I said, I'm almost to chapter four, and I feel like I feel it just got a little interesting. This game has a super slow start. Once you can split timelines, I feel like you just play through one as far as you can, and then you're forced to switch to the other timeline to resolve the puzzle in the original timeline and just continue your current timeline until you hit a dead end and then go back to the original one you started on and so on. Hope that made sense. <laughs> it did. We just we just described that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's basically the way I've been playing it. I played. Th- I played. I started off with the standard. Just played as much as I could. Jumped. Played as much as I could, and that's just kind of my path forward. Yeah. So here, the choices that come up in the game are very predictable of what will continue the storyline and what will end it. So haven't been uh, impressed too much with that either. I hear a lot of people comparing this to Chrono Trigger, and honestly, I don't get it. Yeah, it has the time travel, but so does Final Fantasy Thirteen Two and multiple other games. I don't hear the comparison there. So unless there's some deep alterations between timelines, I feel like the comparison is weak. Um, I've used that comparison. Also, 13.2 is a fantastic game. Uh, in fact, 
I 13 was okay. Lightning Returns was bad. 13-2 was a phenomenal game. I really liked that game. I reviewed it and I was like, wow, this is this is a chrono trigger. It's really well done. I totally forgot about 13-2. See here. I'm not seeing yet how people calling this one of the best RPGs on the DS and how it's so highly rated, but I'm sticking with it and going to see where the story ends up. Anyway, on some other topics, Zelda is not an RPG. <laughs> if you guys are planning on playing Final Fantasy XII, you should seriously consider playing a portable game at the same time. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, when it came out, I set the Gambit system up so well that uh, I would just run into fights and the game would play itself. So I would just play Final Fantasy 3 on my DS during fights and grinding and just pay attention during boss fights and cutscenes. Anyway, some food for thought. I have no idea how Final Fantasy 12 plays, so I don't know of this Gambit system. Uh, so here, future games I would like to see played this year would be Lost Odyssey. Legend yeah. of Dragoon. Yep. Suikoden. Would love to. Folklore. Absolutely. And if you're doing a Final Fantasy, you got to do a Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest. I have never played one. Would be I, great. I have reviewed one. I reviewed the one that came out uh, two a year ago on the 3DS. I think, what's the one that came out? I think it was on the PS2. Is it Dragon Quest Eight? Eight. That's That's the one I've always wanted to play. There's something about that cover, despite... Not liking the art style. There's something about that cover that's always been intriguing. Why do you hate Akira Toriyama? <sighs> Why don't you don't like I? Dragon Ball? <laughs> well, I've never seen Dragon Ball. Yeah, I know. It's okay. It would be hard to get into now. I bet. I watched. You think it, so? I watched it as a as a preteen and teenager on Toonami. So, I mean, I love it, but I love it because it's nostalgia. Mm. So, I would love to sit down someday and just give it a give it a try. So, a lot of the classics. I mean, I've just never even seen Dragon Ball Kai. I would suggest watching Dragon Ball Kai, which is it's a remake of Dragon Ball Z, and they took out all the filler episodes. That would be your best bet. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Okay. So I guess I guess my one other comment on that email is I, I I didn't necessarily get the sense that it was easy to figure out which path was the right path. You know, how am I supposed to know if chasing after somebody versus waiting for him is better? Right. I don't know. Or blowing up a mine versus finding another way around. Um. Uh, yeah, I guess on 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 both timelines, really, because on this on the standard timeline, you know, I, I I went into the mine looking for the agent, and then lost the game. And I feel like on the alternate timeline, so waiting would have been the right move. And then I feel like on the alternate timeline. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe running in and being action oriented was the wrong move on both counts. Kinda. 
Yeah. So wait, waiting was better in both scenarios. Uh, yeah. But waiting in the Rosh scenario is you had to go to the other timeline to save the guy with the bombs. While um, doing an ambush in Rosh's scenario leads to game over. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it depends how far you've gone in the standard timeline, though, right? Because if you're in Rosh's timeline and you wait, nothing happens. Yeah. You just, like, you know, you need to go to the other timeline to fix something. Yeah. To which you then so, you run into that again when you're with the, the traveling uh, entertainers. You're stuck not being able to get to, through the checkpoint, so you have to go back to the other timeline to fix something there. To learn sword dancing. So both, both, both timelines have those roadblocks where you have to go back to the other timeline. Yep. I mean, that's just part of the game. Yeah, it's strange because in the standard timeline, when you're looking for the agent, also, again, both both options are wrong unless you've done the other timeline. So the option to run into the mine, you die, or Alastel crumbles, falls. And then if you wait, nothing happens again. No, if you wait, the the guy shows up. Only if on the alternate timeline, I don't know, this is so confusing. <laughs> Time travel is confusing. <laughs> anyway, going back to the email. Yeah, I, th I think you need to have, yeah, I think you need to have already used the explosives on the mine so that the agent can get through in the standard timeline. Is that right? No. So, here's what happens. In the standard timeline, if you wait for the agent, he shows up, gives you information, and then says, I gotta go deliver some bombs. That well, but it's not, the, it, it's not the agent that has the bombs. The agent just has the information. Then, after the agent, you have to rescue the guy with the bombs. Okay. Okay. I yeah, that, that it's been a month yeah. since I played. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's so many bits and pieces that are sort of like interlocked, and the fact that you could do it in any order makes it really strange. Because, hmm. like, like I could say I had to wait for this to happen, but I might only have had to wait for that to happen because I didn't do something in the other timeline that you might have done, right? Without even knowing that that was the thing you needed to do. So it, it's strange in that sense because the dependencies aren't always clear. Yeah, I think it depends on the order that you do them in. Yeah. So, let's see here. Uh, during question, where also I would avoid Parasite Eve 2. Ooh. I love the original and was really let down on the sequel and thought it was bad. I wonder if that's story or gameplay or both. both. Maybe. Yeah. Now let's talk about Nino Cooney since I missed the last episode to write in. This game is awesome, and I laugh so hard at Drew's misery. <laughs> I ended the game at fifty-seven hours and at level sixty-one, 
So I can see how you can't beat the last boss at the 30 hour mark. You need to level some minions up or drop it down to easy. You guys were over exaggerating. This whole game is broken because of a spell you might have to backtrack and get later in the game to progress. Yeah, it's annoying as hell and you should be, and should be part of the story, but it doesn't break the game and anyone who plays RPGs usually explores the towns and dungeons thoroughly. So should be hard to miss in the first place. Yeah, I guess I accidentally missed all of, uh, you know, all of the ghost yeah. missions. Yeah, that I I th- I think that's crappy. Maybe I am over exaggerating, but I'm sorry. That's how I feel. <laughs> that is really bad if you have to go all the way back to to find something that was hidden. So. Uh, so here, when I learned there was a collector's edition, uh, that came with the book, I went to go buy one right away, but that was 300 to $400 range is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the book is cool though. I, I, I wanted to buy the book on eBay alone, but how much was that? I don't remember too much. Yeah. I said, well, that's enough rambling later dudes. Dustin PS will drew ever finish Nino Cooney with a ton of question marks. And I will answer that question with no. I hate that game. Hard no. I will never play that game again. And if I if I didn't get if I didn't get like two bucks for it from trading in the GameStop, I would. Wow! Really solidify that never finish. No, that is that is. We will go back. I'll, I'll go back four years and play Xenogears. Or, or four years later, we'll finish Xenogears. I will not finish Nino Kuni. Because unlike Nino Kuni, I actually enjoyed Xenogears. I, I, I physically hate, Z, half freaking hate Nino Kuni. Like, I, like, I can't, I can't stress that enough. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I ended up, I, I liked it. I didn't love it as, quite as much as I hoped I would, but I did like it quite a bit. Well, Nino Kuni 2 just came out. Yep. And, and as uh, I said in the last episode, I canceled my pre-order. Well, you know what? You might want to get that pre-order back because Jay just played it and completed it 100%. And he says it is leaps and bounds better than Nino Kuni 1. Hmm. Uh, in fact, what he, were his thoughts on Nino Kuni 1? Uh, he, he thought that it was okay. He didn't like the battle system. He thought that, uh, the story was kind of lackluster, but he said he didn't mind it is what he said. Um, he, he didn't hate it obviously like I do, but I like the kingdom building look of the Nino Kuni too. Yeah. He, he, he actually really liked that too. So his review hasn't went live. We're saving it for tomorrow, I believe. Um, but I did proof it. I mean, he gave it a really good score and it's getting great scores all over the place. So, uh, and he, he even told me in, in an email today, he was like, yeah, Drew, at some point you need to play it. And he said, because it is way better. <laughs> See, but that, that's kind of my problem. I know I'll play it at some point because I did like the first game. The problem is when I'm looking at the next four months or so, five months, I mean, between God of War, Detroit, and uh, Spider-Man. Do not forget 
Far Cry 5. You know, I've never really played much Far Cry. Then you need to play Far Cry 5. I played a f- I played four or five hours of Far Cry 3. thought mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Um, yeah. You should, but, uh, you should think about Far Cry 5. You know, so with with those games, all right, I used to say those four games, plus I still haven't played anywhere near as much Monster Hunter as I want. Same for me. I really want to play more Monster Hunter. And so when it comes to, is this the right time for me to want to play Nino Kuni 2? I don't think so. It's, it's too long. I, and I probably wouldn't get to it until after these other games anyway. Nino Kuni 2 sounds like a nice Christmas break game for you, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, hole up under a blanket and live through this luscious, beautiful world. That, yeah. that sounds great. That sounds but, like your jam. And I think at that point it will be 30 bucks. Which is sad. I, I don't, you know, I, I like the first game and, and I love level five and I want to support them, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I, I've not recently been more certain that I won't play a game on buying it. Yeah. And it's hard to justify full price for a game I know I'm not going to play. I know. And I've done that many times. I don't even regret it sometimes. Um, Near Automata. I bought that day one full price. I was just happy that they made the game. Also, it got great reviews. That didn't hurt. Uh, I didn't finish it. I put about half... I probably got about halfway through it. Uh-huh. I don't regret paying full price, even though I know I'm not going to finish it for a while. I don't know when I'll get back to it, but I would like to. But, but I don't know. There's something about this game. I'm just so sure I'm not going to play it that I I can't get it. That's totally fine. I, I have, I'm to a point now in my life where... I don't have time to play pretty much any game, but, um, <laughs> you know, when I do, it's, you know, it's a game that, hey, I, I want to put time into this. So if it's a year after it came out, so be it. Yeah. So, but that's it for us. Uh, you can, uh, send us an email. It's drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, we are going to continue our playthrough of Radiant Historia. Um, you can, I know there's some people playing along. I know Dustin's playing along. He's probably already beat the game by now because he was in Chapter 4 a month ago. <laughs> um, unfortunately, life got in the way for me. So uh, I'm going to try and put in some more time. Uh, this week to talk about it next week um but yeah that's it for us i appreciate everybody listening until next time i'm drew and i'm matt and we're out of here you guys have a great week and we will be back next week with the continuation of radiant historia